Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. In this sermon, we learn how we can train ourselves to move from memory to hope, how to live when we move from the mountaintop highs into the valley. You're listening to Easter Tears by Rev. Peter Yonker. For my message on the second Sunday after Easter, uh, I'm going to read from Psalm 126, Psalm 126, a song of ascents. Listen to these words. If you have your Bible open, follow along. Otherwise, just listen to this poem. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. So I chose Psalm 126 for the Sunday after Easter, and maybe you think that's a little bit of a strange choice, because if you listen to it, if if you heard what I was reading, you realize it's, it's a little bit of a melancholy psalm. And maybe you wonder, Peter, Are we going back to Lent? I thought Lent was done. Aren't we in Easter now? Isn't this the time of rejoicing? Well, that's true. But I still think Psalm 126 is an appropriate psalm for the Sunday after Easter. And the reason I think that is is that I think after all these big celebrations, there's inevitably a little bit of a letdown. That's certainly true at Christmas time, right? You've all experienced that. We have these big services leading up to Christmas, the Hallelujah Chorus, the Lessons and Carols, and of course the Christmas Eve service. And and during those services, the church is full and the energy is way up here. And then comes the Sunday after Christmas, and the church is less full, and the energy is maybe down a little bit or a lot of bit. And I think you have the same thing after Easter. Monday, Thursday, Easter morning, and then the Sunday after Easter. And this just this this dynamic, this 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 dynamic of coming down after a big celebration, that's that's not just something we experience in worship. That's something we experience all through life. There's a book that I know that has a really great title. And now to be fair, I've never read this book. And to be honest, I don't even know what's in this book. I have no idea if this is a good book. For all I know, it's terrible. So I'm not urging you to go out and buy it. But it's got an amazing title. And the title of the book is After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. Isn't that a great title? After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. To me, that that perfectly captures the dynamic of life. We have these moments these transcendence moments where we're lifted up, these moments of celebration where our hopes rise, and then inevitably, it's back to regular life, back to the laundry. And this goes all through life. After the new baby, the diapers. 
After the Easter dinner, the dishes. After the big graduation party, the job search. This is life. And I think that Psalm 126 is the perfect psalm for these ordinary life, these laundry sorts of days. And let me try to explain why. Psalm 126 opens in in verses 1 and 2 with one of those celebration moments, one of those moments where we're way up here. We're sitting in the city of Jerusalem, and everybody around us is celebrating because, as the psalmist says, the Lord has restored the fortunes of Zion. So there's people in the streets, and there's parades, and there's people hanging out of windows, and everybody is cheering. Their mouths are filled with laughter, and their tongues with songs of joy. The, the celebration is so wild that the psalmist says it's, it's, it's like a dream. Now what exactly is everybody celebrating in the streets of the city of Jerusalem? The psalmist doesn't say exactly, but if you go look at the commentaries, just about every single commentator agrees, they're celebrating the return home from exile from Babylon. They were in Babylon for 70 years Okay? And I'm sure 30 years into that exile, they thought they were never going home again. We'll never see Jerusalem. Our country is done. The city is done. Our culture is finished. But now, against all hope, wow, 70 years later, here they are in Jerusalem again. It's like a dream. But now the important question. What is the psalmist's position with respect to that great celebration. Is the psalmist writing the psalm from in the middle of the celebration? Is the psalmist writing this psalm as one of the people sitting in the streets of Jerusalem celebrating? No. Verses 1 and 2 are past tense. The psalmist is looking back and remembering that great celebration. Okay? If that's true, what is the situation of the psalmist right now? What is he, what is the nation of Israel going through right now? Well, it can't be that good. Because the psalmist is asking for help. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev, he says. The Negev is a a desert region in the southern part of Israel, and most of the year it is a complete wasteland. Nothing grows there. It's kind of a depressing place, stripped of life. Once in a while in the spring, when the rains come, the, the dry riverbeds fill up, and, and, and flowers begin to grow, and the desert bursts into bloom. But clearly, the psalmist is not feeling like he's in one of those blooming moments. He feels like the desert is barren. And so he says, restore our fortunes, O Lord, please. And just so you know, that pretty much fits the situation of the people of Judah when they came back from exile. Life was not easy for them. They continued to be an occupied people. First it was the Persians, then it was the Greeks, and then it was the Romans. And sometimes the rule of those other nations was benign, but sometimes it was cruel. And they cried out, O Lord, restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. 
After the ecstasy, the laundry. After the liberation, the struggle. After Easter, the virus, the isolation, the profound economic uncertainty. Psalm 126 is the perfect psalm for the week after the big celebration. What does this psalm tell us as we walk through the valley after being on the mountain? The psalm trains us to live our lives between memory and hope. By this psalm, we are trained to live our lives between memory and hope. We are trained. We're not taught to live our lives between memory and hope. We are trained. Why am I insisting on that word trained? Well, it has to do with the way the Israelites would have practiced this psalm. This is a psalm of ascents. And if you know about the Psalm of Ascents, those are the Psalms that the pilgrims used when they would go to the great feasts in Jerusalem. So they'd come from the countryside and they'd join with others and they'd walk to Jerusalem and as they went, they recited, they sang these Psalms. That means when they learned these Psalms, they were, they were worshiping with them. They were practicing them as liturgy. They weren't just learning them in their heads like a, like a bare truth. They, they, were, they were practicing these psalms in a way that got into their bodies, into their souls. That's what liturgy does. They practiced them as they marched. They practiced them with community. They said them to each other. They said them out loud. When they got to the temple, they recited them antiphonally. The psalm wasn't just something that they learned as a fact. It was something they practiced. It was something they embodied. They participated in the psalm. Trained their hearts through these liturgical acts, the Holy Spirit trained their hearts. What's this like? It's, it's the difference between knowing what a swimming pool is and on a warm day, jumping off the diving board into the cool water and feeling it lift you up. So in the middle of this hard time, in the middle of this pilgrimage, as they went through the valley, what was this psalm training these pilgrims to do? First, it was training them to remember, to look back at God's great acts of faithfulness. Hey, I know times are hard now, but guys, do you remember what it was like when we went back from Babylon? We didn't think we'd get out of there either, but God brought us back and it was amazing. And in other places in the psalms, they think of, they think of the, the, the exodus. They look back and they say, hey guys, remember how we were stuck against the Red Sea? And we thought we were doomed and the Lord opened up the sea and brought us through. Remember when Jesus was in the grave and all his disciples thought this was the end and there was absolutely no hope and the Lord raised him up again? Remember, the pilgrims are trained in memory. But not just memory, they're also trained in hope. Look at verses 5 and 6. They're not looking back. They're not past tense. Verses 5 and 6 are future. Those who sow in tears will reap in songs of joy. Though out, those who go out weeping, carrying seed, will return home rejoicing, carrying sheaves. This trouble, this valley, this darkness, these worries will not last. Tears may remain for a night, 
but joy comes in the morning. Pilgrims are trained to live, to march, to move between memory and hope. We are part of a community of pilgrims. We LaGrave people. And we are marching, and we too are marching between our memories and towards our hopes. And every week we get together and we're trained in these hopes. We don't just learn them in our head like a bare fact. We practice them. Sure, I teach them to you. I try to tell you the truth of them. But it's not just me telling them to your brains. We stand up and we sing them. We pray them. We enact them. At that table, the Lord's table, we taste and we see that those hopes are good. We put them in our mouths and chew on them and the Holy Spirit establishes them in our hearts. And at that baptismal font, we wash our babies in those hopes. And when we do these things week after week, we participate in the hope of God and it gives us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to go through times like we're in right now and stand strong and keep going. So the psalm teaches us to live between memory and hope. It also tells us that as we make that journey from our memories towards our hopes, there is joy along the way. Real profound joy. Okay, what is, what is real profound joy? And to get at what real profound joy is, let me paint two pictures for you. First, let me show you a spring break party. We're in Mexico. It's one of these fabulous Mexican resorts right on the beach. There's a big pool and there's a party going on poolside. There's a DJ up front and he's thumping out music. And in the back there's a bar and, and around the pool it's just jammed with college kids. And they've all got their solo cups and they're dancing and they're smiling and they're taking selfies of one another. There's not a frown to be seen. Everyone is smiling. Everyone looks happy. That's picture number one. Picture number two. 1945, the Netherlands. The day when the Allied soldiers finally come into town and liberate the Dutch people from the Nazi rule. Trucks and soldiers sweep into town and the crowds of people come out of their houses and they're all cheering and they're waving Dutch flags and they're hanging out of windows and they're shouting and they're embracing one another. If we look closely, many of them are laughing and smiling, but we also see there's a lot of people weeping. As they embrace each other and as they celebrate, there are tears flowing down their face, they're sobbing. Which of those two pictures is a picture of real Christian joy. I think we all know intuitively that it's the second one. It's not the spring break party that's a picture of joy. It's that Dutch liberation. That's what joy looks like. Well, why is that? I mean, didn't we just say there's weeping in that second picture? Didn't we say there was tears? There was no tears at the spring break party. Why wouldn't that be more joyful? I think that we all know the second one is the joyful one because we understand intuitively that real joy, profound joy, contains tears. Real joy, profound joy, contains tears that have been overcome. 
That's what the psalm says. Those who sow tears will reap in songs of joy. Somehow our tears are part of our joy. Somehow the tears that we cry when we get to the other side of trouble are a fundamental part of, of, of what joy is and what's, what, it, what it's made up of. It all has to do with the way you direct your pilgrimage, the way you walk your walk with respect to the suffering in your life. That spring break party, that's a way to avoid your trouble. And there's lots of people, our culture will tell us, if you see suffering, if you see trouble, if you see pain, avoid it at all costs. And that's a spring break party, right? They're partying as a way to forget all their responsibilities and all their cares. Okay, so that's a, that's a diversion. They're avoiding pain. And there's all kinds of ways that society will give you to avoid your pain. They'll say to you, suffering is always bad. You don't want to suffer. You're feeling bad? Here's the substance. Try this. Take another couple of drinks of this and you won't feel your pain. You won't worry about your pain anymore. Your, your anxieties are getting the best of your worries, your pains. Just binge this TV show. You, it'll, you'll forget everything when you're in the middle of that show. Repeatedly, society will give us ways to walk around our pain. But this is not the way of Psalm 126, and this is not the way of the gospel. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me and be a pilgrimage along my path, be a pilgrim along my path, that person will pick up his cross and follow me. You go into the pain. If you want to save your life, if you want to experience the joy of my salvation, says Jesus, you must lose it. You go straight into the pain. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. The path of joy leads right through the pain and comes out on the other side. And this is not just some sort of theoretical thing that is in a poem, that in an old book. This is real life. You come home from work, it's after dinner, it's 7 o'clock, and you're tired. And you got two choices of what you can do. You can either binge that show on Netflix that everybody else is watching and talking about with all those crazy people on it. You know, you watch that show and it just sort of takes you away and you don't think about anything else. You can have escape for a little while. Or you could call Aunt Edna. And Edna, now you know, she's older and, and she's been isolated and she's really lonely during these times. And she's not always the easiest person to talk to. You know, once you're on the phone with her, it's kind of hard to get off the phone with her. And you know, she's prone to sometimes weeping on the phone. Only one of those two options has the real possibility of joy. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. If you are feeling let down after Easter, if you're feeling like, man, it was only a couple days after the Alleluia's that my tears and my anxieties were back, don't worry. It means you're on Jesus' path. You're walking the way Jesus walked. And you're not just walking the way Jesus walked. Jesus is with you on that path. Look behind you, and you'll see him standing there 
beside the empty tomb. And he's saying to you, keep going, keep going. I know it seems terrible. I know it seems dark, but don't worry. I've risen and I'm stronger than every single thing that's in your path. And you look all the way ahead and you can see him again. And this time he's standing in the new creation, in the new Jerusalem. And he's surrounded by all these people who've already completed their pilgrimage. You probably know some of them. Maybe some of them are friends of yours. And their faces are filled with joy. And he says to you, keep going. I know that you're in a valley. And I promise you there will be other valleys ahead. But the end of your journey is with me. So my fellow pilgrims, keep walking. Don't be afraid. And know that the tears of today will lead to shouts of joy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, I praise you for your word which gives us so great a hope as we walk through uncertain times. We thank you that behind us we hear the alleluias of Easter still ringing and they push us along. We thank you that ahead of us we see the promises of the new creation and they pull us forward. And in between those two things, Lord, help us to walk in love and hope and joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.